Welcome once again to Crazy Canuck Trucking. This is the Crazy Canuck Dave, just running solo today. I'm going to have a special guest on with me. And uh, I want to thank you all in advance for liking and sharing and uh, sending us reviews. We really appreciate all that. We're not going to get into reading any reviews right now. We're just going to jump right into it. So I have on here uh, with me today a Mr. Greg Mackling. Welcome to the show, Greg. It's a pleasure to be with on. you, David. How are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's really good to see you. Now, I'm going to put a little bit of backstory. Um, after I was in a rehab program, then uh, there was an OT there, Sylvia Marusic, who's a good friend of Greg's. And she said to me that I should go out and start talking about my story. And Greg, you and uh, your buddy were the first ones to interview me for what I'm doing these days. So it's kind of cool to have you because you tell us, tell us who you are and what your occupation is. So right now I'm the co-host of The Start. It's the morning show on 680 CJOB Radio in Winnipeg. And David is referring to the interview that we would have done almost six years ago now, I think, David. Five for sure, when Brett McGarry and myself were co-hosting the afternoon program on CJOB. And we've been doing the morning show now for almost uh, four and a half years with the aid of Loren McNabb, who I know has been in a truck with you. David, so you've been an advocate not only uh, for our radio program, but also for all your work and the message that you want to get out, not only with regard to trucking, but mental health as well. And so uh, we consider you a a, a dear friend to our program and what we do on CJOB. So thanks for having me here. It's an honor to be with you, my friend. Oh, it's, uh, this is, this is a lot of fun. I, I was really hoping to get you on sometime and it, it just, it worked out today. And uh, I really appreciate that. And I'll give a little bit um, more of the backstory. So I came into this interview, Brett, Brett McGarry and Greg Mackling and their radio stars, you know, like um, I've been interviewed on radio and TV before, but it's still a little different to come in studio like I did on the afternoon show. And I had Sylvia with me because uh, I needed, at that point, it was still new in my journey and I needed some moral support. So she came along as well and said a couple things. And I told I told my story. And now what I tell people is, Greg, you're my brother from another mother because we connected there and I did not expect it here. Greg, you're like, I have, I have this image in my mind of such a successful, well put together guy. And after our interview was done and we walked out and we both had tears in our eyes. And that is something that you don't always think about as guys. You know, we, we like to, uh, for my part, I like to pretend that I, was big and tough and strong. And I saw that I, I, I mean, we are very similar in so many ways. And uh, I, I saw that reflected back in you. And then for you to be so vulnerable and have tears in your eyes, we gave each other a big hug. I was, I was shocked. 
and I walked out of there and I, I don't think I've ever told you this story even through all the times that we've talked since I walked out of there and Sylvia looked at me and she says I've never seen Greg do that uh, to a to a guest and maybe it maybe it had happened before I don't know but that was uh, something very special and thank you for being that vulnerable person and talking about that uh, well trying to get my story out and yours obviously something in your background that at that point I didn't know about uh, you're welcome and thank you for opening my eyes to the fact that I'm not alone in what I've battled against. And I think that's why you and I both do what we do with regards to mental health advocacy. It's just to share what we've been through because there is a perception and I still have a difficulty in having anybody perceive me as successful in any way, <laughs> shape or form. The imposter syndrome lives uh, deep inside of me. So oh, yeah. that's something a lot of folks deal with no matter what, whether they deal with uh, depression or brain injury or both as, as you and I do. And so uh, there's always that battle and how much is too much in terms of authentic self, how much is too much for the audience in terms of sharing my own journey and my own story. So, you know, I'm monitoring that on a constant basis, but I've also gotten to the point where I'm at the, I don't give an F point in yeah. my life where um, if I can help one person see things a little bit differently than a 10 minute interview or a 15 minute or a five minute interview. And I can interject something that makes one person go, wow. I didn't realize that uh, the guy talking on the radio deals with anxiety from time to time, is recovering from a brain injury, has headaches on a daily basis, has confidence issues, and has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I don't mind sharing that because I know wow. there are a lot of successful people out there that deal with the same thing. And I know there are a lot of people who are on the cusp or on the brink of being successful in their own right that maybe just need a little bit of a push. And so if, if my sharing my story inspires one single person, then, then I'm fine doing it um, unedited at times. So, yeah. so thanks for giving me permission to do that. You did that the first day I met you and you've done it ever since David. So let, let's go back to your experience because this wasn't something that just came organically to you. Um, you were in a car crash, which Almost. I believe, is that the start of it? Yeah, really for me it was, David. Um, uh, but the day that changed my life, I'm not, I don't even really know exactly. Pretty sure it was June. Could have been May. Yeah. Um, but I was sitting at a red light in Calgary, Alberta, in southeast Calgary. I'd been at a fundraiser and um, very early in the evening and I decided that it just really wasn't for me. I was hungry. I had a visitor from out of town. And so we were going to head downtown and get some, get some real food. And I was just sitting at a red light. And uh, we got it rear-ended by a young woman who was driving her vehicle over the speed limit. And the speed limit was 80 kilometers per hour. So, wow. you know, um, dead stop to uh, getting flung through the intersection. Fortunately, there was no cross traffic, but my, my 
brand new Volkswagen Jetta was essentially obliterated uh, from the from the driver's seat back. There wasn't much left. Uh, the trunk sort of got pushed into uh, the back seat. My rear window was blown out and my seat, the force was so dramatic. I went forward in my seat and I went back and it broke my driver's seat. It wow. twisted the driver's seat. And uh, I know with all the crumple zone technology and everything, I feel pretty comfortable in, in sitting here speaking with you today that uh, if I'd had a little bit of an older vehicle, I'd, I'm not sure what shape I would have been in. So that's the sort of the long version of the short story of how this all started. But that at the time turned my life upside down. Yeah. What, what, um, like, I, I know what you're going to, what you have to deal with. And that is when you look at your injuries or when insurance companies look at your injuries oh or compensation, you know, they look at you and say, oh, you look fine. You look great. You know, like, what's your problem? Well, you know what, if, if you'll allow me, I was, um, I was in sales. I've had a couple of different avenues in life. I've been an entrepreneur. I've been in the restaurant business. And then in my early 30s, uh, late 20s, I decided I was going to get into sales. And I'd moved to Calgary for a sales position with Sprint Canada and telecommunications. And I was lucky to be successful at it right off the hop. And I was making good money. I had a great place to live. Uh, it wasn't in my hometown, but uh, life was pretty good for me. Yeah. And I tried to go back to work. Uh, this was on a Friday night. I in fact went to a concert on Sunday night and halfway through that concert, things started to spin. Um, I had to sit down and long story short on Monday, I went into work and my boss looked at me and said, what the hell are you doing here? You look like a ghost. Yeah. And one of my coworkers took me to Foothills Hospital where they sent me for MRI and CAT scan and all the, the, the stuff that they could do back in, in 2000. And of course, one thing they're looking for is a brain bleed. And fortunately, they didn't find any of that, but they didn't find anything else either because yeah. those types of technology don't show concussion. They don't show brain injury, which is what I was eventually 18 months later after I lost my job, after I lost my home, after I came back to Winnipeg for support, devastated, um, I was diagnosed with a frontal lobe brain injury. I couldn't organize my way out of a, out of a morning. There were some days I would get dressed and that was it. That was all the strength I had. I forgot phone numbers that were second nature to me, including my brothers who I phoned sometimes five times in a day. That was probably the moment when I knew something was really wrong. I went to phone my brother one day and I couldn't think of his phone number. And um, along the way, I got resistance from insurance companies, from my own employer. Um, unfortunately, Sprint Canada self-insured on the short-term disability. So they were wanting me to get to work fairly quickly get back to work. And I tried to go back a couple of times and it just wasn't clicking for me. And then I think you're probably familiar, David, what ends up happening is 
oh, now you're a faker. Now you're stretching it. You're taking advantage of the system. And the legal terminology is malingerer. And so those words, those tags got associated with me, not only at work, but then now all of a sudden you're dealing with a private insurance company that, you know, their mantra is deny, deny, deny every single claim along the way. And now you got a battle on your hands. Not only are you battling the insurance company, you're fighting for what's right financially. You're fighting with your employer to be taken care of while you're off work. And of course, they want you back. You're battling with yourself because you start to think that they're right, that you are making I'm just crazy. Yeah, you know, I'm just it's, crazy. It's, this, it, it's, it's a whole list of things that you can't even write out in terms of the different battles that are going on. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, fortunately I came back to Winnipeg and, and, uh, I got connected with, uh, some doctors who really cared and doctors who believed in me and I had support, uh, from my grandfather in particular. And, uh, at 30 years old, 31, 32, I found myself living on the fold out couch in my grandpa's one bedroom house in West end, Winnipeg. Let me tell you, that was not part of the game plan. It's pretty humbling. No question. Yeah. You learn who your friends are. Uh, you learn who your family is. Um, there were folks in my own immediate family, people who uh, I thought were grade A people who, who thought I was foolish, who thought I was taking advantage of my grandfather, who thought I was doing um, him a disservice. Uh, But my grandfather, to his credit, was probably the person in my circle that least understood what I was going through, but was as supportive as anybody was. So, um, yeah, that's difficult when you lose people in your life, when when you have friends that you've considered some of your best friends look you in the eye and say, you know, get over it. Yeah. You got to get back on the horse. And there's some truth to that at times. Um, but when they say it with so, so much vengeance and so much vitriol, like I'm somehow doing something personal to them, it, it was tough to take. And then, so that's where the brain injury, the financial distress, the battle with the insurance company, and then the battle within really heats up. Yeah. You know, so you, um, I hope it's all right to go over this, but, um, the the little comment comment that you made to me uh, somewhere on that time was um, that really struck a nerve with me because it's so familiar for me was you were you would be driving around in your MG and uh, racing down the street. Yeah, I. Uh... I'm embarrassed as to how uh, irresponsible that was because I put other people in danger. But um, yeah, I had several several occasions where I, I plain and simply didn't want to continue. The pain was so great, the disappointment, the um, angst that my entire situation was causing amongst my family and my friends. 
internally. I just wanted it to be over and I didn't see any end in sight. And there are a couple of different times when I thought the, the best solution would be for me to not to be here. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, not something I think about a lot anymore, David, but, um, yeah, those feelings were very, very real for sure. I've been there. I've been there, you know, and just wanting something to happen to take me out of my misery, you know, and that, um, I, I think that's almost impossible to explain to somebody else that has not been in that situation. I, I would look at some people that had been in crashes and um, didn't survive or had severe head injuries and looked like they were going to pull through. And honestly, sometimes I'm thinking, please don't pull through because the, the amount that you're going to have to deal with in the future seems insurmountable it seems so tough um because we deal with this every day you and me we deal with this stuff every single day and we are we are not people that are gonna just lay down and just take anything you know we've we've spent our lives getting up and continuing ahead and but it's so easy for people not to see that you know, they, they see what David was in the past or Greg was in the past. And, well, why don't you just get up and get going again? You've always done that before. Why not now? You know, and it's, for me, the battle within myself has been some of the worst. You know, I, I can deal with, I can deal with people not liking me. I can deal with, it's not fun dealing with insurance. You're at your worst when you're ex expected to make decisions that will affect you for the rest of your life. It's like interesting. It, when, it's interesting. You, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to um, with the in insurance because I was in Alberta, things were a little bit different than they might've been here in Manitoba. And I know you've got viewers right across the country and, and around North America, but um, my lawyer told me, because there was still enough of that who I am at my core that when I went for lawyer meetings, when I did my depositions, when I did my testimonies, I always wore a suit. I always showered. I always brushed my hair. I always yeah. presented myself the way you're supposed to when you go to a lawyer's office, <laughs> when you've got a meeting, right? Yep. Yep. And I can remember my lawyer who who ended up stepping away from the firm and, and ultimately my case telling me, you know, I, I can remember exactly where I was in the lobby and I was in Calgary and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of this. Like, can we, can we just not come to some agreement? I need to move on with my life. And my lawyer looked at me and he says, you know, the problem, Greg, you don't look enough like a victim. Yeah. <laughs> Thought, that's right shit this is my yeah. own lawyer yeah. telling me that i yeah i know, you know? exactly <laughs> right yeah absolutely. and so i always use a sports analogy 
Uh, I played a lot of hockey growing up. I played football and soccer. And um, the an analogy I always used was, I don't know if you ever played hockey before, but when you're a defenseman and the puck comes back to you at the blue line and the puck bounces over your stick or you mishandle it and it goes back outside the blue line and your entire team has to clear the zone in order for you to restart the play. You don't throw down your stick and gloves. You don't sit down and start crying. You just yeah. keep playing, right? Yeah. Because that's the game. And that's, and that's the way I always approached life. Ah, damn it. And you regroup and try it again. And that's the way I've always been. That's the way I always was. And so there was enough of that still in my persona and who I was that my lawyer's now telling me that's detrimental to my case. <laughs> yep. So I needed that because that's what I needed was another layer of doubt about how I was presenting, you know, yeah. whenever they would do the testing, I always did my best. I always wanted to yeah. do my best when they're testing my brain. And I went through multiple rounds of it, right? It's a challenge. Let's rise to the challenge. Even though you know the guy that you're sitting with is working for the other team yep. and he's trying to prove that you're okay. Yeah. And so I, I guess that's just one more example of when you talk about what you come back from and the advice that, that I try and give to people that are trying to work back from things is that, you know, do your best not to listen to those, those voices that are telling you that, that you're full of garbage and that and you know your truth is your truth and you know what you're going through and and yeah. uh be true to who you are it eventually worked out for me took a long time almost three years and then you know 16 since that yeah but that's been sort of my philosophy david yeah I, when i came into your studio the first time i had a little pebble with me and i said that's how it is for for those of us dealing with brain injury is for everybody else, you know, a pebble is not a big deal, but you put that in your shoe and you can't get it out. That's what it's like dealing with some of this stuff and it you limp and it's hard to walk around, you know. But the analogy I like using for brain injury um, myself is that of a bridge that's washed out. And, you know, in the past, um, Anytime I have come across an obstacle, it's like hammer down, right? Like just get at her. When there's a bridge washed out, despite the Dukes of Hazard and Speed and Keanu Reeves and all those guys, you cannot jump that. You cannot jump that bridge. It will not work out for you. And so, what do you do in real life? You don't. You don't try and evil can evil it. You know, you stop. You start looking at directions. You start finding another way around. We get a part of our brain gets broken. Some pathways get severed in our brain. Yep. That's what closed head injury is. Some of these pathways are cut off. Ones that you've been depending on your entire life. Yep. Ones and that we you can, get used to depending oh, on, right? And we can make new pathways. There's, a, there's another way around. It's going to take a little longer. And we're going to have to learn. But eventually that's going to become, you know, the way that we always do it again. You know, it's exhausting to get there though. Yes. At, at times. Right. And so, 
you know, it's a great analogy. Look at what's happened in British Columbia, you know, earlier this year. And, and they were talking months and months to get the Coke back up. And now it's reopened just in the last few weeks here, of course, you know, under very different circumstances and it's not open to you and me to, to drive our car uh, from Kelowna to Vancouver, but it is available for all the essential Essential. services. And so, you know, there's a real analogy there and there's a real analogy in what we've been through in COVID-19 is, is just, you know, you and I both lived long stretches of our lives, just on the essentials, just, trying to to get through one day at a time. I can remember when my biggest goal in a day was to see how many episodes of the Simpsons I could watch. <laughs> That's what got me out of bed in the morning. And sometimes yeah. I didn't even get out of bed to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and now I get out of mo- uh, bed to go to work. Uh, my alarm goes at two 45, eh, yeah. maybe three, three fifteen. I get out of bed and I get in the shower and I get going, but that's who the real, me is and that's who the real me was so i've been lucky to earn some of that back and get some of it back but i'll never forget sharing my story with charles adler one day this this is probably eight or nine years ago now david and i had a little bit of a breakthrough in therapy and and charles adler's always been charles adler's national broadcaster um one of the voices of god on radio for three or four decades in this country And um, he said to me, he said, you know, I often think about what you would have been like in this industry without your brain injury, without what you've been through. And I said, well, I probably wouldn't be here because my path would have not brought me to this spot. However, um, one of the things that I needed to do was I had to mourn the passing of pre-accident Greg Mackling. Yeah, And to realize that I wasn't going to have all the answers at the tip of my tongue, at the tip of my brain, to realize that some of the memories that I'd held dear for a long time might be altered, might be skewed, might be gone. And so that, that was a breakthrough for me when I finally took a deep breath and said, that guy might not be coming back. Yeah. And that's difficult. I think for a lot of people, it was difficult for me. But I did it, I think, and I think it was a necessary part of the of the overall road back to not wanting to not be here. We have a lot of pride in who we who we were. You know, we and even if it's even if it's something that isn't necessarily something to be proud of, it's still us. It's still who we are. Yeah. And that person is no longer there. 